So if you are a guest or a visitor with us today, one of the things that we've started, we started last week and it worked out really well, if you are a visitor and a guest and you want, need some more information, have some questions about the church, we would love for you to meet with us right after the service is over. My wife, this is my wife down here, raise your hand, Trish. Trish is going to be out the doors to your left. There's a little table out there. We have a gift for you and just to gather some information and if you have questions and if you want to know anything about me, I'm sure she'd be glad to tell you, right? All the good stuff, baby, all the good stuff. But so just meet with her afterwards, guests and visitors, that would be wonderful. So we, we started last week and we got halfway through the book of Ruth. So if you have a, a Bible with you, turn to the book of Ruth. We're going to be in chapter 3, starting at chapter 3 today. We're going to get through the rest of the story. And we'll do a quick review, just if you weren't able to be here last week, just so that you can be caught up, just so you'll know the story, because I think the, the more information you have, the better off you're going to be. All through this book is a beautiful picture of God's just beautiful favor and blessing over his people. And his plan of blessing, even in the midst of what seems to be difficult circumstances, God's hand is in it. Not only is God's hand in it, but Jesus is revealed through this story. And that's where we're going today. And I'm excited about that. Jesus is revealed in this Old Testament story of the book of Ruth. Ruth is one of the characters. And remember last week we talked about they had traveled from Bethlehem to Moab because there was no food in the house of food and so they went to Moab and while they were there Naomi and her husband Elimelech with their two sons Malon and Kilion remember what did Malon stand for what did I say what was his name stand for weakness yeah right. so you have so you have you have Malon and Kilion these two sons of Naomi and Elimelech and they meet two women in Moab one of them's name is Orpah and aren't you glad you weren't blessed with that name? You know, growing up, what's your name? My name's Orpah, all right? That's, you know, maybe, maybe you know someone that's name. Maybe your name is Orpah. I'm, I apologize. I just stepped, stuck my foot in my mouth. Um, or, and then there was another daughter named Ruth, and that's where we get the title of the book. So Ruth's husband was Malon, the weakling, <laughs> and they both died. So Elimelech died, Malon and Kilion died, and 10 years after they had been there, Naomi had gotten word that there was food in Bethlehem, and, and so she was going to travel back. While, while she was getting ready to travel back, the two daughter-in-laws said, let us go with you. She urged them to stay. Orpah went ahead and stayed, but Ruth said, no, wherever you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And Ruth went with her. And we're going we're gonna to find out today why that was so incredible that Ruth followed through and went because the blessing of her obedience flows all the way down to us today right here in this room that's how incredible the Bible is it is alive and active it is it is present and, and, it, and it's helping us right now at this moment and so uh, it's going to be a great great picture so you got the story now Naomi the the widow and her daughter-in-law Ruth come back to Bethlehem 
But they come back without provision. They come back without anybody to take care of them. And so one of the things Ruth has to do in order to provide food for the family, she has to go into the fields and pick up the grain that has fallen on the ground because it was right at harvest time. Remember last week I talked about the phrase, as it turned out? You know, just kind of this, this holy moment, coincidence, God incidence, whatever you want to call it. As it turned out, they come back at the time of harvest, and Ruth goes into this field. And it's just not anybody's field. She goes into the field of a man named Boaz. And that's significant. Boaz uh, is in a position to not only give her food to eat, but give her uh, a place to stay, a new name, and a new life. And so this is going to be beautiful how this all unfolds. Last week's message was faithfulness rewarded. Ruth was rewarded for her faithfulness to Naomi. And she was rewarded for her obedience and just willingness to take chances and to go and put herself out there. And she happened to be in the field of one of the men that could possibly be what they would call a kinsman redeemer for her. So I want to unpack that a little bit for you real quick. In that culture, this came out of this study that my wife had done with some, a few other ladies. In that culture, the nearest relative, okay, the kinsman redeemer, was responsible for the economic well-being of a relative. And he comes into play, especially when the relative is in distress and cannot get him or herself out of the crisis. The custom of redemption was designed to maintain the wholeness and health of family relationships even after a person has died. And another word for this kinsman redeemer is this word right here, goel. So when you hear the phrase goel, redeemer, he is the kinsman redeemer. He's the closest relative who could possibly uh, get them out of debt, basically. He would pay off their debts. He would buy back their land and he would bring them into their home and everybody that came along with that property. And so that the story will come alive here today. So I want you to really think about this, this phrase, Goel Redeemer, and it is a foreshadowing of Jesus, the great Redeemer. It's a beautiful picture of the redemption that we have through this 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 Jesus that we worship. And as I was writing this, I was thinking of that, um, man, this is a beautiful picture and I can't hardly wait to get to the point, you know, to the end when we get to hear, hear this incredible news. But we gotta, we gotta take a little bit of time to get there. So, so Ruth chapter three. And before, before I read this, I just wanna give a little, here's a little side note, okay? A little side note. Boaz was a good man. Okay, he was a good man, and we see it in this, this passage of Scripture. So men, there's something in this, for, even though this is, there's some beautiful, like, feminine stuff in this story. Men, I want you to focus on the character of Boaz. Okay, the character of Boaz. Now, he's not perfect, but, but he's, he's a good man, and just like my friend Dan. I just see Dan over there, he's holding his baby, he's married to a, a, a young lady that's very special to us, and man of integrity, uh, he's a good businessman, he's good, uh, he's kind, and those kind of things. So Boaz was that kind of guy. Now, single ladies, all the single ladies, <laughs> all right, all the single ladies. I am not suggesting, 
that you employ this particular tactic that we're getting ready to read about today, all right? But if you are looking, Boaz is a good example. He was intelligent, kind, and he was a hard worker. So ladies, you want a Boaz, okay? Not someone who is as dumb as a box of rocks. Don't want somebody like that. Not someone who is as mean as a snake. And definitely not someone who is as lazy as a sluggard. <laughs> but you want a Boaz. Does that make sense? All right. Side note's gone. Back to Ruth chapter 3. So let's take a look at it. Now as a dad, I always want my girls to find a Boaz, by the way. So one day, this is chapter 3, one day Naomi and her mother-in-law, um, or Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be provided for? Is it not Boaz with whose servant girls you have been, uh, been with? Isn't he a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So you get this picture, these men, it's the harvest, they're going to be on the threshing floor, they're going to be winnowing out, winnowing out the grain, collecting it all, and it's a, it's a man's game. There's going to be a lot of guys there, a lot of guys will be working there, and so she knew that's where Boaz would be, because he's a hard worker. He not only owns the field, but he's, a, uh, he's like a um, player coach, man, he's, not only, he's in the game, and he's there working. And so she says, here's what I want you to do, all right, so this is, the, this is where we get to. Wash and perfume yourself, put on your best clothes, then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now you know why I told you not to employ this particular tactic. This would just be weird in our culture, okay? If you break into some guy's house, uncover his feet, lay at the foot of his bed, it would probably not go well um, in one way or another. So she says, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Can you, can you just imagine what was going through Ruth's mind and her heart at this particular moment? Like, do you think her heart was beating out of her chest? Like, how, like, I, she probably understood in this cult. I mean, she was a foreigner. She was new to this land. And she was, she's like, is this how it's done? Is this what the people of Israel do? This is, seems so odd to me. Seems like a strange custom. But it's like, can you imagine her going? She was like, okay, Naomi, you, you say so. Let's, let's go. And she stepped out in incredible faith. And so she lay down at his feet. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. And this is where you put, duh, right after that. Like, yeah, duh, don't you notice there's a strange person laying at your feet? You know? And it says that uh, he woke up and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Now, for some of you single men, you're like, I have been praying for that for all my life. That I'd wake up, there she is, that's what I just hope, God just brings her to me, it's going to be amazing. Uh, something similar happened with Trisha and I, God just delivered her to me, it was incredible. All right? But she didn't sneak into my house and lay at my feet, but 
who are you, he asked. Now, he asked because it's dark, and so he's like, who are you? She said, I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Since you are a goel, receive me, accept me by putting your garment over me. And this was a picture of, of her offering herself in, to marry him, to like, I'm, I, am, I, I will be yours. And when he places his garment, his covering over her, it's basic like, basically like him saying, yes, I'll receive you. It's a, it's a picture of, in, verse, uh, in chapter 2, verse 12, where it says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So she offers herself to Boaz, and when he covers her, it's like the covering of God's wings, saying, I will care for you. I will take care of you. And isn't, I mean, I'm not a woman, but I, but I know, isn't that what all of you want? In some way or another, like someone to put their covering over me, care for me, take care of me, lead me, guide me. And I'll just confess for the, for the male population in the room, we're just not very good at that sometimes. We're just not. We're not because we tend to love ourselves more. And that's just a personal admission. But Boaz takes this incredible chance. Now he knows that he is in line to redeem them. He knows it's in his place to do this, but, there, but we'll find out that there's somebody else in the way and he'll have to wait for that to um, kind of work itself out. But it's this picture of God's blessing and covering over us. He said, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am your near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do, I will do it, he says. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning. You wonder if she slept at all, you know, anticipating and wondering what was going to happen. So she lay there at his feet until morning, but got up before anybody could be recognized. I guess it was still, you know, still dark enough. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. I love it when, when God does immeasurably more for you than you could ask or imagine. She didn't know what to expect. She goes and she offers, he covers her. And then, then just on top of that, oh, by the way, just here, here, take this too. And listen, as a pastor, as a pastor of a church, we want to be a church. We want to be people of God that when people come in contact with us, it's immeasurably more than they could ever ask for or imagine. Like it's over the top kind of love. Not like, um, not fake. 
sincere, but like love so deeply that it transforms who you are. Like, like God's people, does, they do something for you in such a profound way that you're like, I can't, I can't even deny that there is a God anymore. And I can definitely not deny that God changes hearts because he's changed the hearts of these people. And now it's changing mine. You see where I'm going with that? Like that is the, that is the reputation. That is, the, that is what we want to be known for. Our love is so great that people find Jesus as a result of it. Right? They don't just find us. I mean, we're okay. Boaz is okay, but he's nothing compared to the Goel Redeemer named Jesus. Nothing. And so we hope people find him through us. And Boaz is just being a genuine servant, and he's blessing. Now, Ruth was probably pretty attractive, and I'm sure Boaz, as a man, he's like, I'm going to really bless her socks off. Now, here's some green. Take it on back to Naomi. Let her know what a good man I am. I'm sure there's a little bit of that in there. He's not perfect. He's a man. Therefore, we know he's not perfect. So when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, she asked, how did it go, my daughter? I wonder if Naomi slept at all that night, too. <laughs> wondering like she didn't have a phone she couldn't get a text message in the middle of the night you know there was no snapchat going on it was just so she waited for her to come back when Ruth came to her mother-in-law she asked how was it going she said she told everything that Boaz, Boaz had done for her and added he gave me these six measures of barley saying don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed which is just another picture of God's provision it is not God's desire for you to be empty-handed. With physical things, things of the Spirit, he wants you to be full. Jesus says, I've come so that you may have life to the fullest. That's his, that's his plan for mankind. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So let me just ask you a question right where you're at today. What are you waiting for? As you sit here today, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for healing. You're waiting for provision. You're waiting for deliverance. You're waiting for comfort. You're waiting to have the courage to be able to either ask for forgiveness or to be able to offer that forgiveness. Waiting for a job. You're waiting for some woman to come lay at your feet in the middle of the night. You're waiting for a spouse. You're waiting for something. And that's not easy, is it? Waiting is so hard. It's so hard. Like when you get pregnant, you wait for nine months. Some of you are still waiting for that moment. And we're in that moment of waiting. And that's where, that's where Ruth was. Like, can you imagine Naomi saying, just wait? Yeah, but how long? How many days? How is it going to, when, when is it going to take place? Sometimes I think we get ahead of God. We don't wait on him. We get ahead of him. And I talked a little bit about this last week. And God's like, whoa, whoa, slow down. I've got this. I created the universe. I hold it in my hands. I think I got it. I'm, I've been practicing. I'm better at it than you are, humans. Right? But how many times do we try to manufacture it ourselves? 
And so, meanwhile, Boaz went up and he was taking care of business. He went up to the town gate, sat there. When the kinsman redeemer, the one that was ahead of him, doesn't even have a name. This guy doesn't even have a name. He just knows that he was kind of in line first. He came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to, to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, tell me so I will know, for no one has a right to it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, from Ruth the Moabites, you acquire. So basically he's saying, okay, not only are you getting the land, but you also have to then take responsibility for this, this lady who is a widow. Her name is Ruth. And it said that uh, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it <laughs> because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot. So there's a lot going on there. And I just, I just like to think about it this way. Like he's like, man, if I go home and tell my wife I have another wife, she's not going to be happy. <laughs> she might be excited about the property that we own. But if I say there's another woman that comes along with it, now I got to share my inheritance. And if she gets pregnant and has a son, then I got to spread it out even further. And he's basically said, nope, I can't do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Tony, wouldn't it be so much easier to close a loan if they just exchanged sandals? There's a lot of paperwork that goes in because he's like, here's my shoe. Okay, here's my shoe. All right, we're good. Right? That's how, that's how they did it back then. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. And Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess, Malon's widow, as my wife. I love it. At that particular moment, Ruth went from weakness to strength because that's what Boaz names meant <laughs> she went from being weak to strong in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town of records today you are witnesses then the elders all those, all those at the gate said we are witnesses may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel that's quite a blessing may you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. And may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. They had no idea what they were talking about, but the blessing was about ready to come. So Boaz took Ruth and became his wife. And then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. 
Then the woman living there, the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. Get this. He was the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. And as it turns out, if you follow the line of David, it will ripple all the way out to a guy named Joseph, who just happened to be engaged to a woman named Mary, who just happens to give birth to the Goel Redeemer of all mankind. Does that not just blow your mind? That in the midst of this circumstance and this, this story that God is orchestrating the events and it seemed like it was hopeless and it seemed like it didn't make any sense at all and through all of that, God has a plan to bring redemption to mankind through this foreigner named Ruth who just happened to be with her mother-in-law, who happened to be walking in obedience, who happened to have enough faith to just believe that God could use her to do something this significant. I have a few questions. This is our response to the, to the sermon. One of the things that the Bible study and some commentary, stuff that I read about this particular story, one of the things they point out is the fact that in that culture, Ruth would have been wearing mourning clothes. Not like mourning like the first time of the day, but mourning like sadness. She had lost her husband. And when Naomi tells her it's time to move on, change your clothes, put on some perfume, put on your best clothes, and leave that behind because God is doing something new. And so I ask you today, do you have some weighty garments that God is asking you to take off? Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, discontentment, jealousy, mourning, or anything else that is keeping you from moving forward, that's causing you to stay stagnant in your faith. I want you to consider that today. And then response number two has everything to do with the Goel Redeemer that came through the line of David. His name is Jesus. And listen to this. I just want to share this passage of Scripture with you. It comes out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2. All right, so wrap your mind around this. I want you to think about where Ruth came from and, and then how she was transformed. So Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, As for you, she's talking to all of us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature 
deserving of wrath. By nature and by design, just because of birth and, and, the, and the, the sin of mankind and the curse that is on mankind, we, we deserve to stay in Moab. <laughs> we deserve to stay in our weakness and in our death. We didn't deserve to be blessed at all. None of us deserve it. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in this mercy that we sang about just a little bit ago, that mercy triumphs over judgment. He is rich in mercy. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show in the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I mean, isn't it amazing the kindness that Boaz showed Ruth? Though undeserving, she, he showed her this incredible kindness and he's just a man. But Jesus, in, in, in God's great mercy, gives us Jesus to show us incredible kindness. He gives us his mercy. He makes us alive with him. He takes us from death to life. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that you cannot boast and say is all you're doing. Okay, that's right at verse 9. And I'll, I'll finish with verse 10 in just a minute. But maybe today... It is you that you need to bring to Jesus. It is you that needs to come to the ultimate Redeemer. And this is the gospel in its purest form, ladies and gentlemen. It is, it is you coming to him. And, and just try to wrap your mind around this, thought, this idea of coming and laying yourself at his feet. Wondering, is he going to accept you? Are you worthy? Does he love you enough? Is he going to cover you with this garment? Is he going to cover you with this love? Or is he going to reject you? Because some of us are afraid of that. We're so afraid he's going to reject us. Because we have blown it. We're objects of wrath. We're sinful people. We're filthy. Listen, Ruth, she got herself beautiful and presented herself, her best self. When we come to Jesus, we give him the worst that we've got. We don't get cleaned up and, and make ourselves beautiful to present ourselves to Jesus. We come filthy, dirty. And he loves us anyway. He loves us anyway. There is no Goel as great as Jesus. Ladies, no man is going to rescue you like Jesus can rescue you. And men, you can be as good as Boaz or better, but that doesn't save you. Without Jesus, we're in the worst kind of crisis. Without Jesus, you owe a debt that you cannot pay back on your own. Ruth could not redeem herself no more than you can save yourself. And in his great love, Jesus doesn't cover you with his garment. He covers you with his blood. And that cost him everything. So the final response. 
So the first one is you can lay down this, these weighty garments and you can put on new clothes today. The second one, which is even more important, you can give yourself to Jesus, lay yourself at his feet, and let him cover you with his love. And the last one is what we do when we get up, <laughs> when we walk out of this place. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you think God had the work prepared for Ruth in advance to accomplish? Do you not think God knew what was going on? Like he knew. Even as Naomi left her home and went to a people that she didn't even know, God's like, even through this, I'm going to deliver my people. And it's going to be astounding because only, only I can pull it off. Praise God that Ruth trusted Naomi and was obedient. Praise God that she didn't just stay where she was. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, don't stay where you are. Don't stay where you are. Because there's something better ahead of you. There's a blessing. It says good works prepared in advance for you to do. And when you do those things, when you start to experience him, that's when true joy and blessing comes. And listen, just like Ruth, whose life through the line of David, rippled all the way to you and me, what you do from this moment on could ripple out to touch the lives of other people you have no idea. Do you get that? Think about that. How you live ripples out and affects everybody that you come in contact with. It does. How you live today matters because it affects tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. I've asked my friend David to, to sing a song that he used to sing a lot in our youth ministry years ago. And the title of the song is called Ultimate Man. And it's obviously not about Boaz. <laughs> it's about Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate Goel redeemer. And so I've given these responses to take off a garment, to put on something new so you can walk in, in freedom. Give your life to Jesus so that you can know the blessing that comes with him covering you in his blood. And that just requires you to say, you know what? I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I need that covering in my life. And then the last response will be after we're done to go out from this place and accomplish what it is he's calling you to accomplish. So as David starts to sing, I invite you to come. Lay yourself at his feet. Maybe literally, maybe just in, in, in your spirit, in your heart. Offer yourself to him. The one who is the ultimate man. So we'll have a time of prayer. And then when we sense the time is over, we'll, we'll finish up and we'll go home.